This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Besides God, nobody really knows what you're going through, how much you're juggling, what you've been through, what you're facing. And since it's just the two of us here, we can be gut-level honest. So go ahead and relax your shoulders, take a deep breath, and let your guard down. Are you overwhelmed? Maybe you've had it up to here with your kids. You love them, of course, but they are driving you crazy. Maybe you're drowning in mounting bills and don't see a way out. Perhaps you've received a dreaded diagnosis and now you're in for a battle to survive. Holiday season? Stressmas is a better word for it. Maybe it's your marriage. Why does it have to be so difficult? Why can't your husband be more like so-and-so's? Or maybe you're grieving over the death of a loved one. There's a gaping hole in your heart that will never be filled and no one understands why you're not over it yet. Maybe that mile-long to-do list just keeps getting longer. Or you hear your father or mother's voice continually ringing in your ears that you'll never be good enough. Maybe it's all these things at the same time. When it rains, it pours, right? You seem to be the one that everything happens to. So your life constantly hovers between overwhelm and numbness. You're either teetering on the edge of a breakdown, or you're numb to it all because you've got to cope somehow. Not feeling anything is a safer alternative to feeling everything. You have a choice. You can shift from overwhelming to overflowing. In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Lisa Dedinger, the author of Fully Whelmed, Shifting from Overwhelm to Overflow. With an education degree that spans PK to 12, Lisa Dedinger has over 25 years of professional experience working with children, teens, college students, and adults, and even homeschooled her own three children for 17 years. After equipping nearly 1,000 students with simple strategies for essay writing, Lisa designed two online courses for grades 4 to 8 and high school. Her work has been published for university classes, teaching journals, virtual charter schools, and homeschools. In addition, Lisa is a certified Christian life coach, serving individuals and families. Her book, Fully Whelmed, Shifting from Overwhelm to Overflow, was published in February of 2020. And in 2018, she released Our Secret Journal Revealed, co-authored with her then-tween, now-adult daughter. 
Lisa has provided manifold classes, workshops, and presentations for adults and children in schools, churches, camps, and support groups. She believes the best part of teaching, presenting, and life coaching is witnessing that aha moment, that instant when the light turns on, the student or client owns their discovery, and they are eager to move forward with it. During the summer of 2019, Lisa helped create a Christian school on a mission base in Ghana, Africa, by choosing curriculum, supplying and setting up classrooms, and training teachers and staff. Here is the interview with Lisa Denninger. In your own words, who is Lisa Dettinger? Lisa Dettinger is a passionate, joyful, peaceful, surrendered, loving, beloved child of the King of the Universe. Wow, thank you. I have a few warm-up questions um, before we talk about your book, Fully Wound, Shifting from Overwhelm to Overflow. And my first warm-up question is, what is another word for life? Another word for life. Yeah. I'm going to call it agape, which is Greek for the word love, mm. unconditional love. Oh, wow. What is the opposite of life? Or is there an opposite to life? The opposite of life would be bondage, emptiness. Bondage. How interesting. What is the meaning of freedom to you, Lisa? Freedom means that I am able to be all God created me to be with nothing holding me back, that I can have an abundant life in Christ and I can be all He has for me. I can do all He has for me and I can live completely and fully free in Him. What is your greatest joy? My greatest joy is witnessing an aha moment when a person has a breakthrough moment and owns breakthrough where they step from bondage to freedom in something big in their life or in something small in their life. And they, they are able to open themselves to receiving love and wisdom and revelation from God. I love the way you answered the question about the other word for life. You said love. So I guess I'd like to get more specific about the idea and concepts of love. What is love to you and how is love manifested in, in this life? Love is the essence of who God is. It's his agape glory essence. And I believe that we are able to fully experience that when we are able to fully receive the love that he has for us. And once we're able to receive that love from him, then we're able to live it and give it and give it back to him and give it back to other people. And it's the most fruitful, beautiful free place to be is when you're in that place of complete love and when you can make decisions that are based from that love and not based from fear or guilt or shame. Right, right. 
<laughs> That's wonderful. Most people use the word God, and a lot of times it becomes also, it has become a concept, an idea. So I guess my question to you is, where is God? Where is God? Yeah. God always was, always is, and always will be. We have a God that we can think of as a general life source. And I also believe that this God is very personal. I believe in the God of the Bible. And I believe that we were created in His image. And so we, I believe that God is a trinity. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And because we're created in His image, we also are a trinity. So that means we also, we have an inner spirit. If we think of it like three circles, we have an inner spirit at our core. Our body is the outermost circle. And that middle ring is our soul. And that is comprised of our thoughts and our emotions and our memory and our personality. And so I believe that God is our God, the Father who exists everywhere. And also, I believe that Jesus Christ is his son and he's the body, the flesh form. And we also have that form, that's our body. And I also believe the Holy Spirit, that uh, the third part of the Trinity, and that is that corresponds with our soul. And when we know Christ as our Savior, I believe that our inner spirit is born again. And the Bible says that we become a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we all have this ability to have God's Holy Spirit reside within us. And so where is God? God is, He exists eternally in heaven, and He also exists within the heart of a believer. Oh, wow. What do you think is the purpose of life, the purpose of the experience in the human body? I believe the primary purpose is for relationship. I believe that God created people to be in relationship with them. And I believe that God created people to be in relationship with each other. And I think that even the Ten Commandments, which Jesus says he summed up by saying, love God and love people. And he was the fulfillment of those. And so I believe our purpose in life is to have relationship with God so that we can give and receive love with our creator and give and receive love with all of the other people that he created and the people that he's put in our lives. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Liz, for answering these questions, <laughs> the warm-up questions. So now let's talk about your work and your book. What inspired you to write the book Fully Whelmed? The inspiration from that book came from a pattern that I heard repeated with people who would answer the question, how are you with, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed. I heard it in with personal friends. I heard it on Facebook posts. I said, I'd see it there. I, uh, I also life coach and I have a lot of clients who have expressed overwhelm. And Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so if we as human beings who are loved by him, if our experience of this life is overwhelm, we're not living the life that he created us to live, which is abundance. And so I wanted to write this book just as a way to encourage and inspire people that they do not have to live a life of defeated overwhelm. They can live a life of overflow, abundant overflow with Christ, regardless of their circumstances. Yeah. I love the way you say that it's, it's a choice 
to be overwhelmed or to be fully whelmed, which they are very different. And I'll be asking you that question, the difference between them and examples. But before that, why do you think uh, we choose, most of us choose to live in a state of overwhelm? Well, I think the choice isn't that we have circumstances that are overwhelming or not, because just the human experience is one in which we encounter overwhelming experiences. What we choose is whether the overwhelm in our experience is going to be defeated overwhelm or surrendered overwhelm. And if we're living in a place of defeated overwhelm, we're choosing to be hopeless. Right. If we're living in a place of surrendered overwhelm, it means that we're not trying to control the situation. We're not trying to give up on the situation. We're surrendering our situation to God and trusting that He's the one that sees us, that knows us, that's in it with us, and that's taking care of us. And regardless of the circumstance, we can choose to be surrendered to Him and to accept what is and just face it, knowing that He's got us in the palm of His hand. I love that. And in the world that so many of us are trying to control situations Mm -hmm. in ourselves and our own feelings, that is great to hear. I'm wondering how can we apply this wisdom to people who are not religious, that they don't use the word God or they don't think the way you think. Um, I'm not religious either, but I I believe and I know exactly what you're saying. It's just we are just using different words. I believe in um, divine energy, unconditional mm-hmm. love. So I'm just wondering for people who don't believe or they choose not to believe in an outside force, how can they benefit from your teachings and wisdom? I believe that all of us are created in the image of God. And because of that, we have the capacity to love to a certain extent. I do, I feel that God's love is supernatural. And in order to live in this life, if we do not have, if we have not received his supernatural love within us, then the way we're living our life is a way of mustering up something within just our humanity. And we're always going to be striving to achieve something to help us define who we are based on external circumstances versus having a supernatural relationship with the God of the universe who supersedes our circumstances and gives us something tangible and real to place our hope in and our trust and and our supernatural ability to love. Yeah, I like that. So it's possible for everyone as long as they surrender to the divine force or to that unconditional love that you speak of, you spoke of earlier, outside of themselves in a way. I mean, not not that it cannot be connected through us, which can, but we have to believe in it, as you mentioned too, or acknowledge or know that force within. Yes, and I would even encourage someone who doesn't know or have a relationship with the the God that is spoken of in, in the Bible and particularly the New Testament to just maybe get alone and just sit quietly and just say, God, 
Show me who you are. Show me the truth of who you are. I want to know truly, truly who the God of the universe is. And even um, the New Testament in the epistles, the Apostle Paul talks about going to this place called Mars Hill where the Greeks all were waxing eloquent and asking questions and philosophizing about who God <laughs> is, if I could make up a word. Like, who, who is this God? And we're just going to talk around in circles about it. And then the Apostle Paul said, look, I can tell you who he is. This, <laughs> this God who you're questioning, who you're wondering about, he has a name and he, he came in the form of a man and he just, he delivered the gospel message. And, and when people actually opened up their hearts to receive it, they were able to receive the truth in a way that they had never experienced before. And the Holy Spirit just filled them. And it doesn't mean that, that they understood it all perfectly right away, but they were able to experience it when they were able to be open enough to receive it. Yeah, I love that, Lisa, when you're open enough yeah, mm -hmm. to receive it. What does it take uh, for someone to be open to receive such um, teachings or wisdom? I believe what it doesn't take <laughs> is, is hard work. I like that. It doesn't take hard work. Uh, the, whole, the whole gospel is based on the fact that there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We simply get to exist and say, you know what, God, I'm done trying. I'm done seeking. I'm done searching. There's nothing left. All I want to do is be in a place to receive. And, and once we can take out some of our preconceived notions about who God is based on maybe what our father was like, or maybe on an experience, or maybe we've had come from a background where the church was um, abusive or demanding or legalistic or um, just placed so many burdens on us. And if we come from a background like that, it's very hard for us to receive a loving, gracious, overwhelmingly joyful, peaceful, amazing God who wants to just lavish us with his love. And so once we can set aside all our preconceived notions and just be receptive and open to the, the God of the universe who is all agape love, then we're in the right place to receive it without trying, without trying to be good enough, or it, it just isn't on our own efforts at all. It's just receiving Jesus. Yeah, I love that. But you said it's quite the opposite. We don't have to do anything. Right. But just to surrender. Mm -hmm. True. So you have been through some challenging um, and overwhelming situations. Talk to me about your personal story and your experience being overwhelmed. <laughs> so it really, I've lived a, a lot of overwhelm that was caused by my own doing. And I'm the classic, uh, always busy, involved in everything. I'm going to be the leader of this group and that group, and I'm going to coordinate this and that, and I've got my kids, and I'm going to take it all on and do it all on, and I'm going to be superwoman and handle it all. And then if somebody's sick or if somebody has an accident, well, I'm going to make sure I can take care of them too. And so a lot of my overwhelm is just my own lack of discernment and my own sense of quietness before God to see what he's leading me to do, not what I personally think that I need to do in my own effort to try to make myself worthy or valuable, but just receiving what he is and who he is and what he has for me each day. Because the freedom 
to say no to things is also going to enable me to have the freedom to say yes to the things that are important to him and relevant to him at the time. And I've gone through um, some overwhelming situations. And uh, for example, in my book, the first story I I tell in my book is about when I miscarried a a baby that I wanted so desperately. And I was so overcome because it was more than just living through a miscarriage. I was just starting my mid-trimester. It was more than just experiencing it once and saying, okay, this happened. I'm going to move on. For me, I had complications with it and I ended up reliving it and reliving it and reliving it in the most awkward, horrible situations until I was so exasperated. I just, I felt defeated, overwhelmed. And even after the, the example in the book, I went on to be defeatedly overwhelmed by the the medical bills because my insurance hadn't kicked in yet. And the whole situation was overwhelming. And at that time, I really didn't have a clear understanding of, of the tools and of the mercy and grace of God. And one of the things that I've come to realize is that when we're in the midst of situations that we feel are hopeless or that where's God in this situation and how could he do this to me? He's actually there. He's there with us. He is in it with us. He cares about us. We, we even read that in, in the New Testament when Lazarus died, we read that Jesus wept. He cried too. He has compassion. We read that Jesus had compassion on the people that were tired and sick and hungry. And he, he feels these things with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And so when we're in the midst of the most overwhelming trials, it's so easy to get angry with God when actually he's there with us in the trial. He feels the pain with us. He wants to be our comforter. He wants to be our source. Mm. And that gives a sense of hope. If we can just listen, right? Listen. Right, right. So you're speaking of listening. You mentioned earlier being quiet enough, being quiet to listen to that voice, the voice of God. How do we learn to do this? How did you learn to become quiet? Yeah, I I heard a great a great explanation of this once that seems really appropriate. If if we were to just close our eyes and close our mouth <laughs> and just say our name inside our head without speaking of it, right? If we just do that, we're not hearing an audible voice, but we can think those words in our head. And a lot of times when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that's what it like. It's just like hearing us say our name in our own head or say certain words in our own head. So that's part of it. And the other part of it is just quieting my mind enough to be still before him and to be receptive. And one one time, here's what this looked like for me. I just, I laid on my bedroom floor. I put my arms outstretched and I just flat on the floor with my arms outstretched. And I knew I just needed something more from God. And so I just prayed. I said, Lord, I want a baptism of your love. I want to be baptized with your love. And what I didn't hear a voice. I didn't even hear words. I didn't picture words, none of it. But I felt this amazing sensation come from deep within my core, like deep in my gut. And I felt it begin to overflow from deep within, almost like radiating 
from inside of me out. And I knew that God had honored that request. And it sounds really deep and powerful, and it is. And the humor in this is that my youngest son at the time, he was in he was in high school and he was in our kitchen. He was sitting at the kitchen counter and I had just had this amazing experience of this baptism of love with the Lord. And I remember when I was finished, I walked out into the kitchen. I went over to him and I crouched next to him. I gave him a great big hug and I just said, Mm -hmm. I love you so much, son. (laughs) (laughs) And then my teenage boy, he looks up at me. He's like... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was just, it was really a humorous experience after that. But I really, at that point, (laughs) I was really able to look at people and look at them the way God sees them instead of placing my own judgments on them. Mm. I can look at somebody that, that the world might see as sinful, unquote, right? And I look at them and I think, you are made in the image of God. You are worthy of love, respect, honor, and dignity. Jesus loves you. And I love you too. And I see you for who you are and who you can be in him. And it changed my life. I understand the experience. It makes sense, resonates um, to my heart from experiences I had too. I'm just wondering for people who are listening to this, how do we know when we are listening to the right voice? In a way, I want to know the difference between our intuition, beliefs, and the voice of God. That's such a great question. And it's really the human experience, is, especially as a person who, who is a believer, is but is that just me or is that God telling me something? And what I say to that is, look, if you are, if you are in a place of really listening and receiving from God and spending time with him every day and you have a relationship with him and you are aligned with him, most of the time you're hearing what, mm. where his heart is. And oftentimes we say, yeah. I just have that gut feeling. That's probably the Holy Spirit. That gut feeling is probably the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I think it's interesting that so many of us think it has to be, it's either God or it's me. Why, why can't it be God in me that's having this? Why can't my passions be passions that God put inside of me to do? Right. And so many of us think that, that we have to choose, well, I really want to do this with my life, but I don't know if that's what God wants. And I say, look, God puts desires in your heart. He gives you talents. He gives you dreams. He does that for you. Follow it and see where it leads and trust that he'll guide you each step of the way and, and, and keep you in the plan that he has for you. Right. I agree. And also if the, these dreams are in alignment with greatness, with uh, love and peace, then it's obvious, isn't it, Lisa? Absolutely in agreement. Yes. Yes. The the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. So if we are making a decision and the, the path of that decision is leading to anything that's going to steal, kill, or destroy our joy, our peace, our love for other people, or that in other people, right. that's probably not God speaking to us. If it's leading to abundance and contribution and love and peace and joy, that's probably more in alignment with what God wants for us and for other people that we can impact. Right. That makes me think about fear. 
that's what stops us most of the time to follow our hearts and our dreams. And I heard before that fear is the opposite of love. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. I completely 100% agree with that. Yeah. So that's a very good sign then. If we have a dream, if we have something that sounds so wonderful for ourselves and could benefit others, we shouldn't be afraid to follow that path. Right. And sometimes we think our decisions are based on love and they're actually based on fear. And that's where we get to do a little bit of self-examination. So for example, if someone says, hey, can you do this thing for me? And we think, all right, if I'm going to be loving, I'm going to do this thing for her. And if I don't do it, she's going to be mad at me or somebody's going to be disappointed. Then that's not a decision based in love. That's based in fear. And so we always get to do a little self-check that way too. Yeah, right. That makes sense. I didn't think about that, but it's true. Because a lot of times we want to please. So that's uh, another interesting subject to balance uh, this idea of helping others, pleasing others, but at the same time being true to ourselves and to our hearts. Right. Yes, right. So what is the difference between defeated overwhelm and surrendered overwhelm? I love that. (laughs) Surrendered overwhelm. (laughs) Yeah. So defeated overwhelm is a hopeless, it's, it's a hopeless kind of overwhelm and it's based on our circumstances are determining our sense of hopelessness where surrendered overwhelm means my circumstances are incredibly difficult and incredibly challenging and they, this is what they are. We're surrendered to what is and we're not dependent on our circumstances. We're surrendered to God as the one who's in control. And because we have hope in Him, our circumstances are never surrendered to what is, and we're surrendered to God's sovereign in it regardless. So we are surrendered to what is, and we are surrendered to the God of the universe who is sovereign and who we can trust and that we can rest our hope in Him. This word is such a powerful word, surrender. And a lot of times it's confused, I guess, with other words such as acceptance and a phrase letting go. Can you um, elaborate a bit on those three words, the difference between them? I can tell you a, a story about <laughs> surrender yeah. for me. Maybe this, maybe this will put it in a different perspective. I, as a life coach, I wanted to create a vision board for myself because I thought that would be helpful for me to do and to be able to do it with clients. So I had this, I have this very large framed cork board on my wall that I look at every day and it has all my hopes and dreams and who I am and my family and all these things on it. And, and so when I would spend time with the Lord in the morning, I would oftentimes look at this vision board and about the things that were on it. And one morning I was praying and I looked up at my vision board and I had this sense wash over me and it said, die to all of it. Hmm. And I was so surprised. I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then again, it washed over me, surrender all of it, except the part that includes me. And I knew that 
it meant the uh, my spiritual component on that at a cross. And so I was a little confused. And so I argued, you know, I was like, but that's the opposite. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. I, this is this is on here so that I can manifest my dreams and go for it and make it happen. And that's the opposite of what you're asking. Right. And And I really sensed that I was supposed to do that. So I looked at this vision board and I surrendered everything on there. And what it meant was I was taking each component. So my health, for example, my family, my children, my husband, my security, my careers, my finances, the things that I was looking for and hoping for, surrendered meant for me that I did not need to cling tightly to those things and control them so that my life would look a certain way. Instead, I could dream for those things and surrender my control and the outcome and trust that the Lord and I could be aligned in how it was going to look, not according to my specific path, but according to what He was going to work through me and do so that I could learn through the experience of the journey that it would take to get to those things. Wow. And so for me, it meant relinquishing a tight-fisted control over my goals, but instead saying, I'm going to take a step toward this and trust that God is going to guide it. And it might not look exactly the way I thought it would look, but it's, I can trust and be surrendered that it's going to look the best way it should look for, for my life and for other people around me. That's a great example. And then when you talk about control, what came to mind was fear. So that's mm. the reason we try to control events, people, Absolutely. and everything. Because we are right. afraid. Right. Wow. Yeah. No trust. And we all have different uh, ways that we respond to fear. And I, I do talk about this in the book that we've heard the fight or flight. Yeah. We've heard that. Yeah. But there are so many more. Psychologists have talked to us. Now we, we hear that there's also uh, there's fight, flight, freeze, fawn, faint fatigue. There's all these. And those are all reactions that we have to any circumstance in our life where we're reacting from love or fear. And I say that the answer to that, if those are all fear responses, and if the opposite of fear is love, then the other response we have to that is face it. We can just face it. So in the midst of any circumstance, rather than running away, trying to fight it or control it, we just say, look, I I can just look at this in the eyes, in the face and say, because of the agape love essence of God within me, because that in me is greater than the fear that I have in my mind about what could be, I can face it trusting Him and His strength within me. Yeah, I love that, Lisa, this idea of trust. And that's the reason, one of the reasons we get overwhelmed by trying to control everything and everyone. You speak of the three circles. You speak about identity and how the way we believe in God can determine the way we think about our circumstances. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about those three circles. Yeah, the three circles were the how we are created in the image of God. So that means that we also have an inner spirit that corresponds with God the Father. We've got our body that corresponds with Jesus who came in the flesh. And then we've got our soul and that corresponds with the Holy Spirit 
That's the middle ring, um, the second ring. And that's where we have our thoughts and our personality and our memories and our emotions. And so when we are able to live from the inside out, so you could think of it like an arrow that's coming from our inner spirit and going outward, when we're able to live from the inside out, we're living from the qualities of God that inhabit our inner spirit because we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we're living from the outside in, it means that we're allowing our circumstances to determine all of our thoughts about who we are, who God is, what the world is. So living from the inside out means we can still have feelings. We're still going to live in sad circumstances. We're still going to have things that make us angry, sad, disappointed, all those things. And we can be fully human and experience our emotions and we won't need to be defeated by it. We can say, I have this feeling, I'm going to experience this feeling, and then I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to trust that that spirit that is within me and my inner spirit core is greater than anything that I could cling to that might make me feel bitter about this circumstance. I can release the bitterness that would take take root in my soul because I've got better things that that give life that can come from my inner spirit. Yeah. Uh, in a way you mentioned, yeah, you talked about this earlier in our conversation. I just didn't connect with the three circles for some reason. Yeah. I had this question formulated <laughs> here. So speaking yeah. of the solutions for the overwhelming, uh, overwhelming situations or state of mind, you talk about IDEAS, the acronym, I-D-E-A-S. Yeah. Talk to me about them. Identity, discern, engage, act, surrender. Yeah. So the the first one, when we're in a circumstance and we're starting to feel overwhelmed by it, we can just, we can do a little self-reflection. We can look at it from a bird's eye view and we will be able to handle it a a little bit easier. And here's what that acronym represents. So ideas have consequences. It's the name of a book from 1948. Ideas have consequences. So the I for that is to identify the feeling. So if you think of that circumstance that you're in, identify how you feel about it in one word. Just try to Mm. narrow it down. So if we're feeling um, exasperated, that might be the feeling in one word. And then the D for the ideas acronym stands for discern the thought behind the feeling. So if I'm exasperated, my feelings are based on my thinking, even if I don't realize it. So this gives me an opportunity to decide what am I really thinking about this as making me feel exasperated? So if it's a one word feeling, then we discern the thought behind it in a statement, a simple statement. So I, my statement for exasperated might be, I have too many things to do. Right. That would be my simple statement, right? Yeah. So that's D. And then E is engage the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I've looked at my thought is I have too many things to do. Now I take that thought and I bring it to the Lord and I say, okay, is this thought coming from you, Lord? Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this thought serving me and serving you and serving mm-hmm. other people? Is this a lie? Is this the truth? Is, what, what can my attitude be that, that would be, give me a more abundant life. And I don't believe in lying to myself. I don't believe in just positive self-talk because our subconscious knows when we're lying right. to ourselves, right? <laughs> True. 
So engaging the Holy Spirit is praying and saying, Lord, what is your heart in this situation? What is your heart about this? Then bringing it to Him. So that's engage the Holy Spirit. The A part of that acronym is act accordingly. So if I've engaged the Holy Spirit in it, there's a good chance that I'm going to change my thinking around that. And if I've changed my thinking around it, there's a good chance that I've changed my feeling about it. And if I'm feeling and thinking differently and I've given it to the Lord, then I'm going to act according to that instead of according to my fear or my frustration or my need to control. Yeah. So I will act accordingly. I might choose different words. I might show up differently in the situation. I'm going to act according to my new spirit around that and my new thought and new feeling. And the S part of the acronym stands for surrender the results. Again, it's that word surrender. And what that means is maybe I've been really nervous about a conversation that I would need to have with someone. And so I've been able to engage the Holy Spirit and act accordingly. Surrendering the results means I might say, I might have that conversation with that person. They might not react the way I want them to react. That my situation might not change, but I've changed. Mm. And I can surrender the results because I know it comes from a place of love and purity and authenticity And whatever the results are, if somebody else doesn't behave in that circumstance the way I think they should, I can surrender that and let that be their stuff to deal with, knowing that I can have a peace about the way I dealt with that circumstance. Yeah. Wow. And that goes back to trust. Yes. I love that. I was trying to think about a situation that I needed to to put this in practice. (laughs) And um, yeah, it's very much effective. (laughs) very, very much. I did the exercise before and I found the same, yeah, in the way that same result of effectiveness. It really, really works. And the last part, I think the the surrender is um, the the most challenging one. Right. It's it's that surrendering control, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be controlled. (laughs) That one is, yeah, that's when trust comes in. It's just wonderful. So I have a few final questions for you, Lisa. But before I do that, would you like to add anything, read a passage from your book? Ooh, well, nothing's coming up automatically. I think I'll just let you ask the questions and maybe something come up when you ask. (laughs) Right. So final questions. How do you define success? What is to be successful? I think success is knowing that you are living your life abundantly in the Lord. It it might not be a million dollars in the bank. It might not be owning the company. It might not mean that everything in your life is picture perfect. And it might mean that you are joyful and peaceful and aligned with your creator. That's success. Yeah. Wow. And what a success. (laughs) Yeah. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? The hardest lesson that I learned about myself was that I have spent a lot of my life in performance mode. And that means that I've had a lot of successes in my life. And I've spoken to a lot of groups of people. And I've realized that I have wanted to have a persona that I have it all together and that I am in control, that I'm 
worthy to be speaking about something, that I'm worthy to even be friends with someone, whatever it is. And so I have spent a lot of my life performing without realizing it. And it was a hard lesson to learn, but it was the most impactful lesson for me to learn because right now I'm living free in my authentic self. And um, in the way this one, one tangible way this plays out is when I'm speaking for a group of people, God and I have this little agreement. It's, it's still ongoing. <laughs> this has been about three years now, this <laughs> agreement that I always pray right away before I say anything. I pray in front of the group and I confess that it's my natural inclination to want to perform for them so that they think I even am worth it. To, to be there speaking to them and uh, that I want to look polished and quaffed and, and I confess that to them. And then I tell the Lord that that is not truly my heart anymore. What I, I really don't want to be a tap dancer for him. I really want to be a vessel. I just want to be a vessel mm-hmm. and let him flow through me to other people because that's what he created me for. And I may not wax eloquent. I may mess something up. It, it, people may not even like what I have to say. And it's a victory if I'm authentically being truly who he made me to be, saying what he made me to say, regardless of, of how it might be perceived by other people. And so I'm no longer performing. I am practicing being a vessel. That's wonderful. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I do. Yes, I do. Because God has unconditional love for us and he created us in his image. And he, if he has unconditional love for us and we have received that, then we get to have it for ourselves as well. We get to practice self-compassion. Unconditional love for us means that we respect his creation, us, enough to be a good steward of it. That's, that is us expressing our gratitude and our love for him by loving us as his creation. Oh, wow. You just connected the word gratitude, the state of mind with unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. If you knew you would die soon in the sense of losing the body, would you change anything about your life? Do anything differently? It's a great question. I, I recently had some tests and actually I actually wrote about this in the book too. Um, I I really thought I had breast cancer and um, I have a very high risk for breast cancer. So I thought, okay, my, my vision board where I had surrendered everything now would include (laughs) my health. And of course, yeah, I didn't want to overreact, of course. And uh, we all think about our own mortality. (laughs) And if I'm truly living a life of surrender, it means that I'm even surrendering my presence on this earth. I'm surrendering my control of how much I get to experience the lives of the people that I would leave behind if I weren't here. And so I think being in a place of, of surrender means if, if I were to die in a car accident, it would be sad to miss out on what I'm missing out on here. And I know right where I'm going to be. Because I'd live my life with my Savior, Jesus, and He's going to hold my hand and I'm going to fly with Him. I'm going to be with Him and He's my creator. And that's just unending joy in that. And, and that's what another thing in, in Philippians that the Apostle Paul talks about is, I long to go to heaven and, and be with my Lord. And yet it's, it's better for you all that I stay with you. So whether I live or die, 
you know, it's all up to the Lord and, and it, and it's good because it's, it's, it's love and it's life and it's him. It's, there's always this fear of the unknown. And yet truly, if I'm filled with, with him and his love, I will, I will face it because the courage in me is, is greater than the fear that's in my soul. Right. Right. And we know the fear has a lot to do with the opposite of love and a lot more to do with control. Right. Right, right. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? <laughs> the first thing that I know for sure is that I know that I don't know a lot. <laughs> oh my God. I know that I don't know. And so it's so funny to be asked what I know because I, I know that I don't have all the answers. I know that I am not in control. I know that I can... Um, I know that I have choices. That's one thing I know. I know, I know that things will change. And I know who Jesus is. I, I know who lives inside of me. And I just, I know that I don't know a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. You do know a lot. You, you, let's say you know what you know. Lisa. There you go. <laughs> and you express it really well. Thank you so much for your presence and for your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? My website is lisadlifecoach.com. That's my life coaching website. And I have a couple things on there. And then I also teach uh, writing courses online for grades four through eight in high school. And that's at powerhouseedu.com. So that's where you can find out more about me. And I have contact information on both of those websites as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for having me, Valeria. This was fun. Thank you. Bye for now, Lisa. God bless. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lisa Dettinger, please visit her websites, lisadlifecoach.com and powerhouseedu.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye for now.